It's time once again for Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies you recommend. I'm your host, John, over there, the other host, Jeff. Hello. We have watched a movie from the random big list of dumb nonsense, mm. and this time we got Gravy. Yeah, we sure did watch a film called Gravy. 2015's Gravy. It was indeed about an hour and 20 minutes of movie. <laughs> Man, I I don't know who, who suggested this. Forgot to check. But uh, I'm sad. I'm sad. Because it, I mean, we're going to get into the full deep review, but I'm just going to say this is a movie that was kind of trying to be a horror film, kind of trying to be a comedy, failed at both, mm -hmm. and this was making plays on that Tarantino talk too fast about something that isn't related to the the plot thing and just falling flat at every turn. Yeah. I mean, I understand they're like, ooh, we're trying to take this gruesome situation, but give these people, like, weird uh, personalities you wouldn't normally associate with that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I get it. I understand what you're trying to do, but you, you've split the difference between horror and comedy and not hit either. Yeah, no, I didn't really react to this movie especially. I wasn't having a very good day anyway, but man, this was just the... <laughs> the cherry on top of your shit Sunday. Yeah, this was like, this movie is the cinematic equivalent of a 4 p.m. on Friday work meeting. <laughs> like, uh, you know it's coming, and then when it starts, you're just sitting there, and you're like, oh, my God, I know this is going to go till 5.15. <laughs> this is, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. There you go. I'm saying it. There you go. Yeah. You won't like it either on today's Movie Mastery. I'm sorry. I'm taking away your job. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, John, do continue. Uh, why don't we talk about the basics? I mean, we we should say how this is the non-spoiler review part or whatever. Oh, I did. Good. Okay. <laughs> don't so, worry. Okay. The uh, <laughs> Did you introduce yourself? Did you introduce me? That's important. Did we, did we say what show this is? Okay, good. Just Have make, we started recording? Uh, just make, let me check, actually. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Why, well, yes, we've been recording for almost three minutes. Oh, goodness. Yeah, okay, so... That's good. All that's taken care of. I'm sorry. I, I I wasn't paying attention the first time around, and I wanted to just get right on board. Yeah, just fully on board now. I'm, Jeff is on board, gentlemen 100%. ladies. I could not be more focused. <laughs> good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being fully present in this moment with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do eye contact for the rest of the recording. <laughs> Let's make eye statements. Deep eye contact. <laughs> Let's work on our problems. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that you didn't like this movie, and I understand why, because this movie was dog shit. <laughs> so the general premise of the movie is some people that work at a restaurant get held hostage by cannibals, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, so it's basically a little bit funny games and a little bit cantina. And uh, it's bad. Mm -hmm. The... <laughs> The acting is not the worst I've seen, but no, man, they no. don't have a lot to work with. Yeah, the writing's really hampering a lot of the performers in this one, because there's some people in here who are even recognizable a little. Yeah, and oh, man, the the sound balance in this, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just the sound balance or if there were a lot of directorial choices to make people whisper things that they rapidly they switched didn't from 
like change the volume on. It's yeah, it's one of those movies where you can't tell if your TV sucks. Where it's like, man, the sound keeps changing dramatically. They're whispering right over the the song that's playing in the background, so you can't understand anything that's going on. And then all of a sudden, someone's shouting real loud. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like you're trying to watch old school late night TV, and a random commercial came on that was like, "Hey, do you want a used car?" And then it like goes back to the TV show, <laughs> giant used car tent sale. And you've turned the volume all the way down because of that, and then the show starts, and you can't hear anything. Like, oh, God. Damn it! Yeah, that was actually a thing that a law was passed about. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's why I had to say old time. Yeah, the commercials couldn't exceed the volume of the show they were on, so because it was like a tactic. It was like wake these people up when they're watching Leno. They're like, oh, this dude's falling asleep, and it's like two in the morning. Well, time to yell at him about cars. Yeah, let's wake him up with a sex line. That that ought to get us business. Hey, are you looking to to talk to a bunch of sexy eligible girls? This party line, yeah. (laughs) That would be a better commercial. That would be. Then one of those ones where a bunch of women and like, Hi, I'm ready to talk to you. What's your fantasy? Yeah. That'd be way better if it was just some loud, weird dude. (laughs) Some dude comes on screen. Hey, did you want to talk to ladies? (laughs) Sexy ladies. Uh, (laughs) I got all kinds of sexy lady talks. Uh, Yeah. Well, anyway, John, you want to go do the movie yeah let's play a little music and then we're gonna get right into the full spoilerific review of gravy and it is time to really dig into and swim around in gravy. Yeah, it's time for some serious gravy situations. Ah, uh, the serious gravy situation opened for fish, and they were amazing. I was going to say, serious gravy situation. There's no way that isn't like a 70s jam band. You're you're yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hello, we are serious gravy situation. I'm American, I am. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I forgot the name of this next song, but it's 43 minutes long. Here we go. <laughs> you might be wondering why we have four drum kits on stage. You won't for long. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd uh, I'd appreciate a serious gravy situation t-shirt with like some band-aids on the back. Yeah. And every one of them says canceled due to death. <laughs> Like band death or yeah, someone else? Because everyone in the serious gravy situation, sadly, has passed away. I, I don't know if the, all I, of them. I, I just find that out now. Yeah, yeah. E- even even Cooter Scuggins, the uh, the legendary bassist, died. Oh, that's f- heartbreaking. A few years ago, you hate to hear about that. Yeah, uh, drowned in a fish tank, as it turned out. Yeah, turned out. Yep. Yeah. So it anyway, was, and and before you ask, yes, that is a tank that belongs to fish. Yes, it's he dry, he drowned in fish's tank. Now you might find yourself wondering what kind of tank, and let me tell you, military. It was an Abrams. It was an Abrams tank. Yeah, an M1 Abrams tank. Now you find yourself wondering how did he drown in there? Well, well, that's an fish inter- filled it up with water. Well, he filled it up with water first, and then they added a bunch of gravy packets to it. It was a birthday present for him because he was the last surviving member of the band. Serious gravy situation. They didn't tell him it was full of gravy. He found out died in there. So yeah. Well, I mean, they were like, we want to put you in a serious gravy situation. Yeah. For your birthday, because so, that would be hilarious. So put on this blindfold. He was like, oh, I'm quite elderly, but I believe I could. And, and he, dead. And then he died in a tank. Yeah. For the fish tank, they call it. Yeah. It comes out at performances and jumps around in a giant industrial trampoline. <laughs> Hi, John. Hey. 
So, Gravy. Gravy is a movie that... you. I mean, there are recognizable people in here. Oh, sure. Uh, the main guy is the kind of dude... Like, the main bad guy. Yeah. Uh, the older... The younger brother of the two the bad younger guys? brother, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's the kind of guy that shows up as, like, a bad boyfriend for second Becky on Scrubs. <laughs> you know, he's he, he's at that level of famous... Yeah, he's do a two episode arc. You're like, oh, you've been on a lot of stuff, but yeah. there's you haven't really broken into the zeitgeist. I, I think he might be a poil on uh, one of the poil brothers on Always Sunny. I'm I not, do not believe so. You don't think so? Okay, uh, but yeah, he's well because he has that face. He has that like, you know, Saturday morning cartoon strip paper face beagle of a face. <laughs> he just kind of looks like he's about to start whining at you in British. Uh, but he won't. He won't. Don't worry. He's very American, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But um, we do have a Lily Cole. Oh, yeah. She's actually British. Yeah. Uh, Lily Cole. Uh, I literally only remember her from Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus and nothing else. I know I've seen her in other things, but again, meh. I, well, I, she might be the kind of character who shows up as one of the four deadly assassins in the background of a shot of all women deadly assassin strike teams or something, you know? Yeah. Like if you're like like in a Sin City or something. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I don't remember if she is in any of those or like a dead or alive or something. But, 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 but you know, yeah. she seems like she should be. Yeah. Anyway, I've always been struck by her because of her perfectly circular face. Yeah, it's an, an exact uh, flawless circle, the kind of thing that you would submit as a, as your masterwork to your to your uh, apprenticeship painter to prove that you are you're ready to graduate. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a Sarah Silverman in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, I always think fondly about Sarah Silverman. She's funny. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. she is just the beginning and end of this. Yeah. And she her... has no actual part in the movie. And she's forced to be so fucking twee that, that uh, it's rough. Yeah, but I always feel like that's what you're going to get out of Sarah Silverman. That's true. That is that's true. That's the character you get. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she, but she's just the bumpers. You only get her for a couple of minutes at the beginning and a couple of minutes at the end, uh, which the oh boy is there ever a spoiler for us to reveal at the end of this book. Wait till you see that monster at the end of this book. Um, <laughs> it's Grover, but, but let's, it's just oh, Grover. Spoilers. Grover's in this movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, it starts out and you just get some guy going into a gas station, like, uh, mini Mart, mini -mart thing. Yeah. And he gets into a conversation with the, uh, like cashier that is Sarah Silverman. Yeah, and, and they get real twee at each other. They yeah, this is some manic pixie both of them shit. Because uh, uh, yeah, they have this long conversation about how they both love sorbet, and they she he tells her his name is Anson, and she's like Anson that rhymes with Manson. My name is uh, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Godsberry something. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn Fulaberry Goodsbeer, Goolsby or something. She has like a full twee name. Also, she's dressed like a rabbit for reasons that are never explained. Oh, I it's, think Halloween. it's Halloween. Yeah, yeah. and then because he's dressed like a clown. Yeah, except he isn't dressed like a clown yeah. yet. He 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 soon will be soon. Oh, just wait for the clown outfit. You're you have to earn it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it turns out he's purchasing sorbet because he needs a palate cleanser for reasons uh they hit it off quite twee and then she he's like hey can i come visit you again sometime and she's like yes indeed you can except she says like you know a lot more than that well yeah because it's it's one of those things like well you very much could if you wanted perchance to be here again mm -hmm. i would not disagree mm, yes a lot of that it's a perfectly ordinary a perfectly ordinary very good thing for you to want to do in fact if i may be so bold i think you probably should come back and visit me again Ugh. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't want to read through it. I feel like hearing all her dialogue makes me feel how you do when I try to read all the quotes in a White Wolf book. <laughs> just, just sad and angry. Yeah, pretty much. So anyway, uh, shot through this conversation, we start seeing scenes from a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, that's going to be great where Joel song too. our uh, main action takes place mm-hmm. in a... Oh, Gabori Sadib is in this. We oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That's really important as well. But uh takes place in a two-story Mexican restaurant with no windows? Oh, yeah, because it has to be the site of a funny game-style murder cannibalism spree. So the, the place needs to be conveniently windowless. And then also, because they need a lot of spaces to shoot scenes in, it's a two-story windowless Mexican restaurant. Yeah, I feel like that can't exist. Like, I don't think you are legally allowed to do that maybe it's a really old building like it, it fell, flew under the radar because of some statute of limitation like grandfathered in something or other i'm gonna say probably not mm-hmm. <laughs> well we don't know where this movie takes place someplace someplace in america that's, that's as far as yeah. we get so maybe it's from some kind of place that's really backwards and doesn't really have a whole lot of restrictions on what you can and cannot build <laughs> great so uh, i mean i was gonna Try and throw something out there for a place and just be insulting to some place. Yeah, but I figure I, I'll let that go. No, I'm going to let everyone substitute for their own de- uh, definition of backwoods. Yeah, everyone yeah. just go ahead and take whatever your local make fun of backwoods city near you and insert that here. There you go. That's the joke. And then John and I, of course, being in San Diego, we'll just, you know, titter to ourselves quietly because all of you are hicks in our eyes. <laughs> Why, we're the coastal elite. Yeah, that's right. We we spend all of our time sniffing t- uh, decanters of brandy with cilantro in it, and then stirring it with an avocado slice. That's you, what we do. You hayseeds. <laughs> uh, so we get to meet our cast of characters. We've got, in the kitchen is a French chef. Oh, he's a little too French. He's very French. And he is talking with uh, Gabori Sadib. Yeah, the uh, I don't know if security guard. I don't know if she's actually a security guard or if she's a security guard for Halloween. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I assumed she was an actual security guard, but now that you mention that it is Halloween, maybe not. Because they, she doesn't seem to be doing anything. And there's a point where they send her out to do some work, and it's not security guard work. So I, I don't know what she's. Yeah. I, I think she might just be dressed as a cop for Halloween. Because we've got the bartender lady uh, dressed as a football player. We've mm-hmm. got our waitress who is dressed up as a prom a queen. Prom queen. Uh, the uh, Mater D, I think, or maybe he's a dishwasher. Uh, I think the bus boy. Is he a bus boy? Okay, he's a bus boy. Uh, he's dressed up as like a like a prize fighter, like a like like a modern day kind of MMA fighter guy. Yeah, which he wants to be. Yes. So, uh, less a costume and more just, this is what I want to be. The chef is dressed up as a chef. Yeah. And the manager of the restaurant is dressed up as the manager of a restaurant. Sorry, they, they, some of these guys aren't very interesting. Yeah. But they're having a little conversation, is uh, the chef of the restaurant and the the potential security guard. And played possibly by, a security guard. Played by quantum security guard, <laughs> a Schrodinger security guard. 
Uh, well, I don't know. I don't think Schroeder would work with this kind of a, uh, Schroeder. Schroeder. I don't think Schroeder would work with this security. <laughs> no, guard. there were no pianos. <laughs> Schroeder's going to stay completely far away from this. Uh, what if Lucy Van Pelt shows up? She's going to hit on him, and it's going to be awkward for everyone. Yeah, she's going to be leaning up against that piano while he's trying to play. Yeah, his little tiny crap piano. <sighs> so anyway, uh, Sadib and this chef are arguing about. Uh, the merits of generals, Washington versus Napoleon. I think. I mean, we think, now, well, we I, know it's George versus Napoleon. Yeah, because we know it's Napoleon because we can get that out of the French guy. But honestly, the sound mix in here is, again, so awful with them trying to have a conversation over music mm-hmm. that you're like, I cannot tell what you are saying. Plus, this is our first introduction to the French guy who's speaking with that kind of real but too much French accent. You know, there's a reason that most people pull French accents way back when yeah. they do them in movies. Because uh, he's like, well, Napoleon, he's like, wow, wow, wow. You're like, what? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Uh, please, please repeat that. Uh, and, and they have some discussion about uh, the Portugal cipher, uh, which is going to be the one, one of the bits of relevant the, conversation. The one running thing in mm. this. The Portugal cipher being a code, I believe Napoleon used. I think it's just letter substitution. But in this in this movie, every single person knows about it. So, oh yeah, that's that's the joke because he was like, "Ooh, uh, Napoleon figured out the Portugal cipher," and uh, the security guards like, "Ah, that's just letter substitution. Any idiot could do that. That's dumb bullshit." Yeah. And then everyone in the film is like, "Oh yeah, I know what this is." So, I don't know. Let's keep setting scenes, I guess. Uh, the We also see the one dressed as a prom queen, the waiter. She's going outside and getting ready to go to a party, and she has a mean conversation on her cell phone. Uh, the the waiter, or, or I think she's the maitre d', the other waiter, the one who's dressed as a football bartender. That's the bartender. Uh, she is graduating from college in a couple of days. Yeah, she's going to be a med student. Yeah, so she's leaving the bar. Yeah. Uh, so they have a little party where they give her a... Like, good luck in your future endeavors, uh, flan with uh, frosting on it. Yeah. Uh, and We've got a few patrons in here. Yeah. One is a sad sack in a blue tuxedo. Oh, this guy is by far the most annoying character in the film. Uh, it, just by appearance. Yeah. He is just a sad little man who is super drunk and... Apparently, he tried to propose to his girlfriend that night, and she left him for an emo. Like, when we say he's in a tuxedo, what we mean is he's in a powder blue Dumb and Dumber suit. Also, he's got late 80s Billy Joel hair. Yeah. He looks fucking insane. The idea that he's supposed to be a real character in this world is is nonsense. I guess maybe it's a Halloween costume. Maybe he's Dumb and Dumber for Halloween. I don't know. Uh, But I could not. No, at all. Yeah, it's impossible to know whether that tuxedo is the kind of shit he would normally wear or not. Because he is one of those characters that you're like, yeah, I could definitely see you wearing this to propose to someone because your character in this is whiny, sad dipshit. Yeah, it's one of them ruffle jobs. Anyway, he's... (laughs) Get one of them ruffle jobs. Yeah, he's one of them... That costs extra. (laughs) Well, yeah, his tuxedo has ridges. Uh... He's whining into a into a beer about how his girlfriend said no when he tried to propose earlier that evening in the same bar, uh, which leads to a flashback we see uh, of him proposing. He has put a wedding ring into a margarita, and she is, like, immediately pissed about it. Yeah, she's like, oh, why did you do this? I'm breaking up with you. And I'm going to go date 
whatever this girl is. She's, she's an emo. A, she's an emo. She pl- she pl- sings lead in a Susie Sue and the Banshees cover band. And he is bereft and does not know what any of that meant. Yes. So um, that's that's one of our patrons. And then we get a couple that's making out too heavy for everybody in the room. Yeah. And uh, dressed is a cat and Robin Hood. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to be basically everyone until our clown shows up, mm-hmm. which is, as it turns out, is our friend Anson from the gas station. He comes pulling up outside the restaurant, puts on his wig and his little clown nose red dot thing on his nose. And then he walks in the building and starts welding the door shut. Yeah. Well, he's welded the one door shut already from the outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a thing where, like, someone's trying to take out the trash and the door to the outside won't open. Right. And then uh, we get them all doing the celebration thing. And then that's when fucking... Uh, Gabori Sadib is going to walk one of the waitresses out to her car. Ooh, there's there's uh, evidence in favor of her actually being a security guard and not merely dressed as one. Yeah. She's going to walk and... one of the waitresses out to her car. And they find Ansem... Just welding the other door shut. Yeah, that's right. He's in, and they're like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Oh, well, I'm welding your door shut." Because it turns out that, like we were saying, the the murderers in this movie are not they're they're supposed to be. Oh, isn't it weird that they're not as crazy as you would normally expect a murderer to be? And that this character is endlessly cheerful and friendly and tries to be a good listener to the people he's murdering. Yeah, he's he wants to have a good time and he's mm-hmm. he's just super goofball. And then you've got, turns out that the cat and the Robin Hood are also in on it, and they are here to also murder people, so they brandish some weapons and take everyone hostage. Yeah, so they've got everyone hostage and tied up facing each other in a big line in the uh, in, in the main hall of the restaurant, uh, at which point they start just sort of fucking with everyone, just sort of... You know, ah, we're going to do horrible things to you, and and we're going to do it by kind of tap dancing around you and saying twee nonsense about, you know, oh, look at this fireplace poker I have, and blah, blah, blah. Well, um, it's, it's all like, ooh, we're going to play some games, and mm-hmm. you know, isn't that going to be fun? And oh, they, and put this tangelo in your mouth, because you can't talk right now. And they're like, don't put an orange in my mouth. It's a tangelo, and it's in season. <sighs> this beginning scene here with everyone tied to the chairs and the three of them starting out is for me the real prime example of what's going wrong with this movie because you could take it to a place that is very terrifying and dark with these three people holding everyone hostage and just like hey saying hey we're going to eat you like it's going to happen yeah and all that's going to matter is who gets eaten in what order right and Instead, they're doing, like you say, all this, like, prancing around nonsense, which is supposed to be like, oh, what a funny juxtaposition, and they're trying their best to do the Tarantino dialogue, Mm -hmm. and then... A lot of movie references, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so at that point, you're like, oh, okay, are you trying to be a comedy about this? But then it's still, like, graphically violent and gory? So uh, no one takes their orders to be quiet seriously and the whole room has a long argument about what they should do in this situation mostly it's the manager of the restaurant being like no guys everyone else shut up i will take full responsibility let me just give them all the cash we have and then they can go off into the night 
And they're like, no, we need to play a game with you. Yeah. Oodly dee. And like, I think as the bartender goes like, oh, obviously they don't want the cash. They haven't even bothered asking for it or doing anything. Yeah. And they've welded the doors. Why would they do that? Yeah. And they're like, ah, that one's quick. You've seen through our ruse. Indeed, that we must reveal to you our secret, which is that we are going to eat you. Hey, it's our Halloween tradition. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Their Halloween tradition is that they go to a restaurant that doesn't have windows or a security system and board it up and eat everybody in there. Yeah. The <laughs> uh, security guard, she starts giving them lip, and so I think... It's the cat girl. It's the cat who goes and, like, bites her voice box out. It's, it's the only one of the three of them would the, that would do something like that. So what we learned pretty early on is that the two main the two guys are brothers... And that they are kind of, this is all kind of a fun game for them. And that the that Lily Cole, the cat girl, is new to this and is psychotic as opposed to them and thinking it's fun. Yes, she is dating the uh, younger brother, the Robin Hood one. Mm -hmm. And they've only picked her up from last year. And so this is the first time she's getting to do the whole Halloween tradition. But she is just a straight up psychopathic murderer mm -hmm. and loves torturing people whereas they're just like no we just want to eat people yeah. like we don't even care about like oh we're doing this because it's uh we get off on it they're like oh no we just want to eat people it's just a thing we do yeah yeah they're pretty cheerful about the whole thing she's cheerful too but at the moment she's cheerful because she's allowed to torture and, and hurt people so she goes over and bites gabori sadib's throat out so the one actor in this movie isn't allowed to talk anymore which is a real disappointment yeah um so, and then they have, the three of them have a conversation like, well, we don't eat living people. What are you doing? This is, you've crossed a line. This is against protocol. And she's like, uh, who cares? Uh, so then they play a game with the bar, with the bar owner, the the restaurant manager. Yeah. The, Cause the manager's like, look, just keep me, let my employees go, do whatever you want. And they're like, oh, have you heard of William Tell? I'm like, uh, oh, good. Uh, this was the first thing where I called it. And was like, ah, this is so easy to call that I don't even want to do the rest of this movie. Yeah. Um, they put an apple or a tangelo on his head and one in his mouth, and then they shoot a crossbow at him while blindfolded. And when you know it, it goes through the one in his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was, they were like, oh, if I can shoot the tangelo off your head, then everyone gets to leave. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not a good bet. Because you could just fire into the air. Anyway, whatever. Fuck it. This this movie is dumb. Yeah, the whole thing is dumb. I would love it if he missed and it went through that thing on his head. And he was like, never mind. I I, I have to take that one back. Because Oops. we're not going to get caught for this. So whoopsie doodles. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so he's going to be the first one that they are going to eat. And so they take the chef into the back. And they're like, hey, man, I'll make you a deal if you prepare our food for us then we'll let you live. Oh, you know what we forgot to mention is that the dude who was drinking himself stupid for... Uh, oh, he's passed out upstairs. He, he went into the upstairs bathroom and passed out. Yeah, so they don't have him. Yeah, he's just... Okay, just wanted to put that out there. So the chef is like, very well, I will work on this deal where I will cook people that you kill for you in exchange for you letting me live. Yeah, and um, it turns out that he is like a crazy, amazing chef. Yeah, he's Michelin. He's li He's uh, been the chef of a Michelin-starred restaurant before. He's an incredibly good chef. His father trained with Jacques Papin, or Lapine. Uh, it was all a whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, he cooks. He makes manager carpaccio, basically, which is funny that he was like, I am an amazing chef. That's why this food, where all I did was cut it off him and put it on lettuce. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. I mean, he basically makes manager nachos. Yeah. Well, it's got little chips on there and things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, they were saying it was basically raw. Uh, they well, did, the meat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was carpaccio. They made, they made manager carpaccio, um, which they're all just calling the manager special because. Cause hey. hey. Uh-huh. So, um. Jokes. But yeah. So he, they, they draw the, drag that body back there. And then, you know, this is one of those movies where we've set up a bottle for the bottle episode to occur in. So. Now a lot of plots are springing into into action. Yeah. So we have a bunch of different things where, like, the older brother, the clown, is trying to have a good time and be, like, playing games, and he wants to do, like, six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. And Oh, I like that you changed the name out to a full, add that of separation. Bit. Yeah. I'm not just going to call it six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That does a disservice to the game. Fair enough. That's pretty re- You know, we are... I believe four degrees from Kevin Bacon. Uh, I think I might be less. Really? Yeah. Ooh, what, what have you? What have you got? What's your? What's your? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to spend your time allowed, on the podcast you're, doing this. You're allowed to talk about podcast guests specifically. I mean, I don't care about podcast guests. I'm talking about the comedians that I've met. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Is there is there footage or recordings of you hanging out with them comedians? Sure, why not? Yeah, okay, fair enough. Then in that case, you're probably like two degrees, because I'm sure there's a Kevin Bacon and Gilbert Gottfried movie. <laughs> I'm sure if there isn't, that there is one degree away from that. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that that seems reasonable. I was going to say, just within the network, we are with about we are about four degrees from Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Because Will Wheaton's been on one shot. Oh, boy. So anyhow, sorry about that. Hi, John. Hey. It's good to have that, that detour into nonsense. Did you want me to derail your show some more? Yeah, that's great. Pass Let's me that do copy it. of Vampire. <laughs> I got some quotes I want to do. I want to read every quote that every vampire says about every other vampire. <laughs> so, yeah. So the brother, the older brother is doing that. The younger brother is trying to basically, all he cares about is the food aspect. Yeah. So, like, the older brother wants games, the younger brother wants food, and the girlfriend just wants to torture people and murder them. Mm-hmm. Then you've got the uh, dynamic between, like... The chef and the murderers and the people there with each other and the dude who eventually wakes up and dibbity dibbity and you know what? Thanks for listening. Great podcast, everybody. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the uh, they play the six degrees and two of the women turn out to be well. They, he nominates. He, well, no, they're all playing, but yeah. only two of them actually know anything about actors. And yeah. it's just the waitress and the bartender. Bartender wins, and her prize is she gets to stand up and not be tied down anymore. Yeah. So she goes wandering yeah. off to the kitchen and and is hanging out in there, like, eating or something. Uh, and the loser is, of course, the security guard, because she's had her voice box ripped out. So they kill her next. Yeah, they put a big old ice pick through her chest. And that's enough, Kabori Sadib. Sorry. Yay. We couldn't afford to actually have you in the movie very much. So now you're you're very dead. Yep. And now it's now it's time for a tremendous number of fat jokes at your expense. Boy howdy, this section of the movie right here, from the time that she dies for a good mm, I'm going to say 40 minutes. Mhm. It's really uncomfortably bad. Yeah. Like a whole lot of fat jokes, and then, 
like there's a couple of mexican jokes worked in there yeah there's, there's a there's lot some, of racist shit there's some weird uncomfortable racism because there's a point where we're starting to see the uh the bus boy hector who's like a prize fighter type dude who uh who spent some time in prison yeah uh and the waitress uh who's dressed like a prom queen in his a party girl and kind of mean, but they start kind of falling in love with each other. And he's like, yeah, I've turned to prize fighting because it helps me clear out my aggression. And you could come watch me fight sometime. And that like turns her on because she like, w- like watches men, like watching men beat each other up. And the first thing she says is, have you ever fought any black guys? <sighs> yeah, there's a point where the fucking girlfriend cat calls the clown guy a faggot. Yep, and yep, yep. I hated it. Yeah, and he got mad at her, and so it was like, well, why don't you pull anything else you got out of your bag of tricks there? Why don't you call me a mongoloid or a honky? And she's like, ooh, I like the term mongoloid. Yeah. Ugh, it's just, I'm like, hey, it's guys. It's just kids banging pots and pans around. It's so bad. Yeah. The writing in this is so awful. Yeah. It makes me sad. It's very, un- it, it, it's and then meanwhile, you've got the butchering of Gabori Sadib happening, which is mostly just the old, the younger brother popping back into the kitchen to be like, I am carving massive chunks out of a blubber whale. Ha ha. Her legs are like tree trunks. Ha ha ha. Oh, we're getting rump roast. <laughs> Big butt. Ha <laughs> Jokes. Ugh. I hate everything. Yeah. No, it's it's, fant- it's phenomenally bad. Uh, there's a point where where he, he is obsessed, the, the younger brother character, the, the, the Robin Hood one. Uh, his name is... Uh, Steph? Maybe. I believe it is Steph. It's Anson, Steph, and Mimi are the, are the murderers. Okay. Uh, Steph is obsessed with trying to figure out what, why this, uh, this chef dude works at this restaurant at all. Yeah, he's like, you're this ridiculously amazing chef. Why are you working at this crap hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant? And the chef doesn't want to talk to him about it, but he's when they're, they're like, why are you even willing to cook all these people? And he's like, I don't think you're going to let me go. I've seen all your faces. This is stupid. And they're like, yeah, you got a point there, but why are you doing this? And he was like, I'm doing it for my friends, so they may be transformed into something beautiful after you brutalize them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Well, anyway, he they, they, they want her to cook. They want the chef to cook up Sadib's body uh, mole style. Yeah. They uh, want they want basically a roast version, and, and this is when we get the big reveal about the weakness of of the younger brother murder Steph, the younger brother murderer character. He is highly allergic to basil. Yeah, because he's like, you can put whatever the fuck you want in there, get experimental, but no basil, or I will literally turn you inside out. Yeah. Okay. I probably just shouldn't have mentioned that because I'm not sure if basil goes especially well with human. Yeah, uh, but you know. I mean, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. I've thought about it a in lot. My, in my darker moments. Oh, shoot. I think about eating people all the time, John. There's so much people meat. So much people meat. Yeah. Like, if you were to eat people meat, how would you like it prepared? What's your food of choice, Steph, with people meat instead? <laughs> with people meat instead. Yeah. Like, is it Thai food? What are we doing here? What are you doing? Let's say you get to eat people meat for the first time. How do you want it prepared? What's your secret? Uh... The people want to know, John. I mean, I from the moment this episode was about cannibals, people wanted us to have a brief offshoot discussion uh, about our degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> and and when when that we were cruelly denied that, we have to go to their second choice, which is what people meet we would eat in what situation. I do feel like it would have to be some kind of barbecue. Oh, like, like a pulled person? Yeah, I mean, I'd want something where... Like the fat and everything would get sort of slow roasted out. Okay, I could see that. So like a like a slow cooker 
or like, like a smoke, like a like a smoked like uh, pulled pork sort of situation. Yeah, just real heavy smoke. Uh, get that baby slathered in some uh, barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to. I, I would probably go for a people roni pizza. Yeah, because then the fat is actually useful and it's part of the pepperoni. You get that paprika flavor in there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I really I feel like that would. So there you go. Those yeah. the, those are the those are the people that we'd eat when we were walking down the street. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh shoot, that's not a, that's not a callback because the first time I made that joke, it was in an ep- it was an unrecorded segment. Damn it. Damn. Now I got to make another people that you meet joke later on in the episode to create a running joke from it. Sad face. <sighs> so much work I have to do for this fucking thing. Ugh, the <laughs> the time and effort I put in to do this. Ah, I had to watch a movie and now I got to talk about it. Uh what is this hellscape that I live in? <laughs> uh, okay, so around this point, the pathetic schlep of a man upstairs wakes up, walks downstairs, sees the torture scene and the blood everywhere, freaks the fuck out, and starts running around the building screaming. Yeah, and, you know, the murderers just sort of sit there and they're like, huh, I totally forgot about that guy. It's weird that they aren't worried that he'll just bust that door down, because I know they welded it shut, but, I mean... I've dealt with solder before, and it it's pretty resistant to just being hit real hard. <laughs> or sorry, it's not. It's pretty weak. Oh, to just wait be, a minute. It's got a really the other thing. It's got a really high shatter potential. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm going into the relative strength of solder. Presumably, we can just assume that the door can't be opened. Uh, although, I mean, eventually people get out, so yes, it can. Yeah. Well, no, it can't because they don't go out through the door. Well, if, uh, the murderer, the 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 sole surviving murderer, probably does. Probably not. Uh, anyhow. Um, any hoozles. Yeah, so uh, they see him running around, and this is the perfect opportunity to have the girlfriend essentially uh, out do, of his hair for yeah, the night. They give do, her a task. They're like, look, you have been bored because we wouldn't let you just indiscriminately torture and murder these people. I tell you what, if you go <laughs> track down that little idiot who's running and screaming, he can be your squeaky toy for the night. Oh, boy! Yeah, and then she goes off to catch him. Uh, he is very pathetic. So when she corners him upstairs... Oh, she doesn't really corner him for about two more scenes. First, he pulls out a... He hides under a table and pulls out a picture of the woman who rejected him and starts talking to her, yeah. uh, which lasts for a good two more interstitial segments. Uh, but eventually, she catches him. He's like, I'm a hemophiliac. Please don't cut me. And then she's like, wow, that's awesome. I can't wait to cut a hemophiliac. And he's like, oh, I'm not a sure. If I'm a, that's great. I'm not sure if I'm a hemophiliac. I just think I might be a bleeder in some situations. I probably won't clot under stress. And then, you know, she chases him around some more. Occam's now the most uncomfortable scene of the, the, the thing starts happening because it turns out that uh, our some of our, our victims downstairs, the, the two who are still alive and tied up, the... Uh, the busboy Hector and the uh, the the prom queen uh, are have formulated a plan for escape, which is that the prom queen is keeping a razor blade in her vagina. Yeah, she has a point where she has to make a confession that, like, hey, uh, I do coke, and it's great, and I've got some coke in my panties, but there's also a razor blade in there with it. <laughs> Can yeah. you go get it? Yeah. And he's like, what? And then they have a bunch of jokes about pubic hair that, honestly, the sound balance was bad, so I couldn't quite make most of them out. Which I'm fine with. Something about how it was a real hairy situation, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, God damn this movie. But meanwhile, in the kitchen, uh, 
the chef has prepared a list of ingredients that he's going to need to make a chili out of the legs of the security guard. Mm -hmm. So it's up to older brother clown guy and bartender to go do it. And bartender finds the list and... Uh, when you know it, it's got a Portugal cipher. Yeah, on he's misspelled a lot of things in there, and I guess the older brother is the only one in this entire movie who doesn't know the Portugal cipher. So he's like, "That's weird. Why would he misspell all these things anyway?" And then she figures out that he wants basil. Yeah, so she smuggles basil to him by pretending to be super into the clown guy. Yeah, she goes for the uh, what do you call that when you fall in love with your captors? There's a, there's a term for that. Yeah, Stockholm syndrome. Thank you. She pretends to go all Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, well, not even that. She's like, oh, no, I'm actually turned on by the idea of murdering people. Yeah. yeah like, you killing all my friends is great, and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to eat people or whatever. And he's such a dope that he's, he more or less just falls for it. Yeah. Um, but he's like, well, I just got into an interesting conversational relationship with a with a woman at a gas station not, not two hours ago. and Yeah. But I guess I could put that relationship on hold for you if you put your finger in your mouth and then in my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> And uh, he even has a conversation with the other brother about it and, like, tries to convince him that it's the same thing that happened with Mimi. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, last year it was the exact same thing when we started murdering people. She was like, yes, this is great. I love it. Please murder these people. And they were, the brother's like, no, that's not Steph. He's like, that's not exactly what happened. She was a psychotic weirdo from the moment we met her. We cut up her boss and she was like, yeah, good. Let me Let me get a chunk of that. I don't give a fuck. That guy was a piece of shit. And and he's like, I'm in love with you, and I don't I don't understand how her weird evil torturer nature didn't reveal itself over the full fucking year between then and now. But sure, whatever. Yeah, Maybe it was Nelda Yar until tonight. Who knows? But the fact that she has a British accent really did it for him. Oh so. yeah, he's so turned on about that. Great. Uh, so Steph is a little wary. He's like, I don't know about this whole you having a girlfriend thing. So make sure it's true, my brother. And then he, the, bro the older brother's like, oh, no, you're right. I might be screwing this up. I screw everything up. It's weird because I'm the older brother, and yet you have to do so much for me. And then a bunch of stuff about musical instruments that I couldn't quite make. I think, yeah, and then more bad sound. More bad sound. I think it was that the uh, the older brother had taught the younger brother to play the mandolin. Yeah. And the theremin. Except, and the oh, no, harp. not the theremin. That was someone else. And that's the whole point of this scene is like, oh, you didn't actually teach him a lot. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the the progression of this movie is so bad, because everything is just, like... Bits and shtick. It's bits and shtick, and nothing makes sense, and nothing's scary, and nothing's funny, and you end up just watching this going like, what is the point of this? Like, who is this for? Yeah. There's some gore... Like, you do get that if that's what you were looking for in a horror movie. If you're like, oh, yeah, what I love is, like, the torture porn, hostile saw type things. Mm. And that's what I'm coming to this for. I heard it was a movie where people, like, are cannibals and cutting people up. Great. Yeah. But I even then, you'll get a couple, and, like, several of them are used for laughs. Like, when they, every time they did anything to the security guard at splashed blood all over the prissy prom queen waitress yes yeah she happened to be in the line of fire uh so speaking of her at one point mimi the the murderer chases the nebish guy down through the building and comes across uh, mimi comes across uh, uh the prom queen with the uh, with hector like in her pants trying to retrieve the uh the, the razor blade 
which I don't know why it's so hard for him to do, but I guess it's really hard. But well, he's got to do it with his mouth. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's you know, it's still a razor blade, and you just move it, whatever. Anyway, so she does the right thing here, which is pretend to be going da- gone down on, and, and uh, you know, Mimi's like, oh yeah, okay, I get that. That's yeah, fine. last meal. Uh, I can yeah. respect that. I can respect that. Sure. Which is like her catchphrase. Uh, um. But then he gets the razor blade and he starts sawing his way through his own cuffs. Yeah. Um, and uh, he'll get through that in a scene where the clown guy tries to, f- like, his new game is the first one to gnaw to the bone in the feet of the security guard gets to go free. It's uh, You get a bathroom break and a shot of Bailey's. Oh, we don't have Bailey's. Oh, well, it's a shot of Frangelico then. Okay, great. Yeah, so, so you, if you... uh. If you can eat to the bone of one of these two feet from from uh, the security guard, you get a bathroom break and a shot. Um, but neither of them is willing to do it uh, when he's trying. But when he's trying to f- force the uh, no, no, no. What happens is uh, the the bartender distracts him for a second, and it turns out that Hector's already cut himself free because he punches the guy unconscious. Yeah. Uh, here's this. This is the beginning of the of the standard run of what I don't like about horror movies in general. The the beat a guy till he's on the ground and then just like leave him and in then the room. Stop. Yeah, just leave him in the room. We yeah. don't have time for this. We just, just got to get away. And no, we we have time for it. He's on the ground. He's unconscious. Oh, I don't think you understand. Yeah. We have so much time for this. We have the exact right amount of time for me to stomp his face until it's a puddle. I don't understand why you think we don't. Yeah. Our, and I mean, even if you are like, oh, I'm too squeamish to kill a guy. You have the bonds to tie him up with, mm-hmm. but instead they're just like, oh no, we'll leave him here. Yeah, he just belongs on the floor there. It's fine. He's in his rightful place. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, no. I mean, maybe I'm the psycho in this situation, John, but I'd be like, all right, this guy's already killed like three people I know. I'm going to cut his throat while he's on the ground there because oh, yeah, I I, mean, he's not getting up. I don't want that to happen. No. Um, but or I'm not even in the, in the vein of tie his hands up because I'm going to do that wrong. Uh, the one thing I'm definitely going to do right is fucking murder him. Yeah. So, But anyway, they just leave him on the ground, and he immediately just stands up and grabs an axe. Yeah, the weird thing about this is How that- Move the axe out of the way. <sighs> I mean, for me, the strangest bit of this is how much they play up this guy as being just like... A friendly bro. Ri- no, just ridiculously resilient. Oh, Because yes. he gets knocked out here, and then he's like, oh, I'm fine. And then he eventually gets into a fight with Hector, hand-to-hand, and just like, he gets his arm broken to the point where, like, bones are coming out, he gets the shit beat out of him. And he's still just like, ah, I'm fine. Everything's okay. Don't worry about me. It's like, what is going on with this guy? I guess they just wanted to give him the traits of the standard psycho murderer movie where it's like like a Jason or something where he's just indestructible. But he's also just a friendly bro. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. This is pretty much the point where the movie breaks down into three complex fight sequences. Yeah, we've got the chef versus the younger brother who Who is is currently going into anaphylactic shock. Yeah, he has realized there's basil in the recipe that he's been served because... Uh, he because this Jeff hid basil in it. Um, and, and he's like, well, now I will tell you why I work at this bar because I one time used fugu to murder like six people. Yeah, he's like, there is a guy. And yeah. He was an asshole, and he, like, I I have a strict no substitutions policy when I was doing my restaurant, and this guy was like, oh, but I need you to do like take the skin and use it for whatever in the flavoring. So I just murdered him. Yeah. So it turns out this guy is also an asshole murderer. This chef. Uh, but he is, at the moment, murdering for the good of his people. Yeah. But apparently dying from anaphylactic shock takes long enough for this, this dude, for the two of them to have a big old complex kitchen fight. And Oh, but also the nebbish dude is tied up upside down in this room and bleeding out. Yes. 
the the two ladies, the waitress and the bartender, fight Mimi. Yeah, the, uh, the that lady. And they get into a weird fight where Mimi is given time to go turn on a disco light and do some karaoke first. And we find out that her British accent is fake. Yeah, it turns out she's been faking a, a British accent for a year because she commits to the bit. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking business that goes on right now that you're like, why? Well, it, apparently it turns out that the previous, when they went, the, the one they went to last year was like a medieval times, mm-hmm. which honestly is a pretty hilarious place to go do a cannibalistic murder spree. Way better than this boring Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I mean, that place has like horses and stuff in it. There's all kinds of cool mayhem you could do with that. Horses. Plus, you can stuff. have, it's a medieval times. You can have all the refills of Pepsi you care to drink. <laughs> no forks, though. Yeah, no forks. You have to eat your hank of animal like a man yeah i still have never been to one of those and i really want to go i've been twice hmm. yes can i go for my can we go for my birthday john uh sure all right the nearest one's in anaheim i know gonna, oh don't think i don't know where the nearest one is uh, shoot i have a one-year-old baby though well you can take a one-year-old baby no i know but i can't drive her to anaheim and back that's a lot of work that's so much work it is maybe just don't want to go on long drive you know what i don't know why i'm I'm being all depressive about this. I want to go to a medieval times and I'll find a way to make it happen. I'll make it happen. Yeah. We, you know what? We do have a long weekend coming up. Yeah. Road trip. Road trip it, to medieval times. We're already going to be in LA for the long weekend. How yeah. far, how far could it be to a medieval times? Uh, a bit. A little bit. Like a, like an hour and a half probably. Uh, you know what? It's still worth it. I want all the Pepsi I can drink and I want to bet on the blue night. <laughs> well, too bad. You don't get to pick. You get put into a section. Oh, I think I still get to pick. I think I, I bet there's still some under the table action. Nah, man, you get there and they're like, "Here you go. You're seated in the like black and white night checkered section. Mm-hmm. You're cheering for that night." Yeah, no, I'm cheering for that night. But meanwhile, under the table, I'm handing some money to a night bookie. Ah, uh, the night on the, bookie on, on a blue night, who I think is going to win this bitch. Uh, also worst DC character, the night bookie. <laughs> I mean, Marvel's got Night Nurse, so I feel like Night Bookie is just another, you know, just, just waiting. Any any evening job is now a superhero role, if you say so. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, the night clerk. So, yeah, the waitress and the bartender are fighting Mimi, the chef is fighting Steph, and then upstairs, Hector and Ansem, Anson, Anson, Anson like Manson, are fighting. Are fighting. And uh, if you were worried that the girls weren't tearing each other's hair out, don't worry. They, that's what they're doing. It's just the worst fucking fight scene of them just like jumping onto her back and getting spun around. And then the other person jumps on their back and throwing bottles at each other. I, I couldn't even tell what was happening. Uh, but it's like a point where Mimi has like these giant garden shears and they're just throwing plates at her. Yeah. Well, anyway, eventually one of the two uh, victims manages to swing a big old wine bottle at Mimi, misses, but hits her friend. Yeah, so the waitress is left conscious, and then she's like, all right, well, you're going to kill me, and apparently I'm not going to fight back anymore. Yeah, she's like, but just no more blood, please, because I've been covered with blood all night. And she's like, yeah, I can respect that. So instead, she drowns her in a fish tank. Yeah. And it was called back in the beginning of the film, she hated trying to clean that fish tank, and she said... It would be the death of her. Yeah, and also she didn't bother cleaning it that night, so we know she's drowned in fish poops. The movie. Uh, And then the other one gets up and is like, well, now this isn't good. You've drowned my bartender friend. Yeah. No, the bartender. This is the bartender. You've drowned my waitress friend. Oh, how dare you. And I can't take you seriously with such a camel toe. There's a big camel toe, and this is one of those set-off comedy moments that... 
where she uh, where she gets real mad about being insulted about the camel toe and jumps and jumps down and is like, "How dare you? It's not my fault. I have big labia and it's genetic." And then she gets stabbed in the chest with a broken bottle. Yeah, great. Go to hell and take your big pussy with you. Thanks, movie. Thank you. Uh-huh. Oh, I fucking hate this movie so much. Oh, and then her hair gets torn out as well, because whatever. Yeah, she I mean, scalps her for some reason. So the only survivor in that room is is the bartender. Meanwhile, upstairs, let's uh, battle one between Hector and Anson. They beat each other up for a while after calmly moving aside a table together to give them more room to fight with. Yeah, and eventually Hector basically wins. And then he's like, hey, you ever seen Roadhouse? So he starts quoting Roadhouse, and then Anson takes the opportunity to lift him off the ground and into a giant super-powered fan blade on the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you look up and you're like, oh, that's, I guess, the air conditioning unit. It's clearly one of those things you see on the roofs of buildings that are turned by the wind rather than the other way around. They're meant to freshen buildings that don't have especially good ventilation. Because, you know, this place doesn't have any windows. Yeah. It's, you only usually see them on, like, schools and, like, rural outhouses and shit. Uh, but but apparently it's this strong one, enough to chop his head up real good, but you don't get to see it. No. Instead, you just get to watch blood running down and a bunch of noise. God, I forgot the part where they, where they serve the rump roast from uh, Gidabori Sadib, and they're all eating it. And it still looks like raw meat for some reason. Like, every time they eat people in this, it's with these exaggerated squelching sounds. Well, yeah, you can't and they eat have just, like, it red be, jello. like, uh, just meat. It's got to be nasty. Yeah. Ugh, they're eating people. Yeah, so when they, the second round of them eat, because the first time it's like, oh, that's carpaccio, so sure, it's raw people. But then he's like, here's these medallions, I have these braised medallions and also a rump roast from her. And he just puts, like, red jello jigglers on the table, and they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, it is delightful. It's just like, what is this? What, what? I thought these people were like refined about their cannibalism, and, uh, but they're eating like the, the uh, like the fucking Tasmanian devil. Yeah, the <sighs> the let's see the other fight in the kitchen. The chef and the younger brother they fight. They fight, fight, fight. Yeah, fight, they, fight, fight. Th- throwing that, bo- the swinging unconscious nebbish dude at each other like a tether ball. The um, chef throws boiling water on the dude, and yeah, the the uh, Steph is extremely fucked up by the end of this fight. Yeah, he's he dying gets of anaphylactic shock. He, he got a- stabbed in the head by a corkscrew. He got stabbed in the chest by an ice pick. Uh, he's anaphylactic shock. He's covered in boiling water, so his face and skin are all melting off. Oh, man, that's like diabolic evil. And then, yeah, no, it's only an evil person would consider such a thing. Luckily, the chef has murdered a dude before. But still, just like with, uh, with Anson upstairs, he just, you know, doesn't, doesn't suffer the ill effects of wounds. And instead, the way that he manages to kill the chef is... He, like, breaks his neck with his bare hands and spins the head around? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't think you've got the strength to do that, my dude. Yeah, no. Both of them just have infinite reserves of super strength. But he does sit down and die. Uh, Not alone, because the survivors from the other two fights have come back in. The girlfriend, uh, the the, The bartender bartender slash fake girlfriend and Anson come in. And... Anson has a small conversation with his brother. Who keeps saying, It turns out that he's Yeah, she was your little bagel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because he has to tell her that Mimi's died. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. He's just like, Um, But it turns out that the Anson figures out the Portugal cipher at this point, realizes that his brother's been fed basil, uh, and that he's been tricked by the girlfriend, by the fake girlfriend bartender. 
uh, who gets who, knocked out. Yeah, he gets knocked out by her. She cuts down the nebbish dude, and the two of them try to escape via the air conditioning upstairs. Like they push the unit out of the wall mm-hmm. and go to jump down the ne- <laughs> the nebbish guy dies on the way down. <laughs> like he just gets dead by falling out. Yep, great. And uh, she goes to jump out and fucking, oh, again, with the uh, dude is unconscious and we're just going to leave him that way. Anson Surprise shows up and, like, bites her leg as she's trying to get out. Mm -hmm. But she manages to survive and get out of the building and call the police and what have you. Whatever. But they don't catch Anson. He's he's gone. He's in the wind. Uh and then it shows like we get our basically the end of this movie after she like goes to the hospital and is, she gets like hit by an ambulance and then mm-hmm. taken to a hospital. It's fucking ridiculous comedy of errors. And then the end of the movie is Anson shows back up at that fucking uh, gas station. Gas station sometime later. I think it says like a year later. I forget. It's I, 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 I was very dialed out and starts chatting up. That uh, Sarah Silverman again. Yeah, he's like, I think you and I should start a relationship. And she's like, oh, I indubitably agree. Bibbity, bibbity, blah. Uh, and across the street, we see Kelly, the bartender. Oh, she's going to murder this yeah, guy. Yeah, she's probably. looking at him with bar- with uh, binoculars and taking notes. And then she looks at the camera and smiles an evil smile. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't, understand. I don't know what we're supposed to take away from that, that she was like, okay, well, I guess I'll dedicate my life to stalking this guy instead of just being like oh i know where he is and i'm gonna have him arrested and then that's it i don't even or even just like i know where he is and so i'm going to murder him i mean it's just like with binoculars and notes for some reason (sighs) okay so so yeah there you go you think there you go i would have thought you might like this more than i did because it's at least a horror movie see that's why I hated it is because I was like, oh, you took a thing that should be a horror movie and you fucked it up. You took a perfectly good horror movie and you messed it up. Look at it. It's got anxiety now. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, this was a, a, a painful slog. Uh, a lot of just boring joke conversations and just fucking nothing lands in this. Yeah. Like there's no actual scares in this no no there's no jokes that land none of the characters are particularly amazing honestly the only ones that i really liked are the younger brother i think did a fairly decent job of playing his version of the character yeah he plays a fun creep yeah because like between him and the older brother i'm like oh you do this better yeah and he's the one who's the most horrible when it comes to eating meat human meat Every time he's got human meat, he's like some illithid devouring a brain. Well, I mean, that's mostly the Foley people's fault. It's it's the Foley people. Because this movie, about halfway through, suddenly switches the regular sound effects package they're using out for the cartoon sound effects package. Yeah, like his brother leaves, and it's like, boing! Yeah, there's like spoosh noises and stuff when people leave rooms. Uh, There's a part where the nebbish guy is having a dream about his girlfriend making out with her her girlfriend, uh, and... And it's like playing the do 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 stuff for his flashback sequence, like it's very. It, it they just go all oh, let's put the cartoon effects in because this has gone all Looney Tunes. Yeah, and it's like no, it hasn't. Looney Tunes are funny. <laughs> it just 
needed to go more in one direction or the other. If they had decided to go very serious and make this a horror film, I wouldn't have enjoyed it a lot. Because mm-hmm. normally the, you know, strangers come in and murder kill some people in a house isn't my favorite genre because I find that boring. Yeah, like your purges or your funny games. Well, purge isn't. Well, purge, purge is the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, purge is a world-building exercise. It's yeah. not like the strangers is just well, what happens. Some people show up and they kill people. Yeah, I was going to say, purge is a world-building exercise that doesn't do any world-building exercises. It's just like, hey, one night a year, everyone goes out and kills everyone and uh, don't question and it makes the world better okay how don't don't worry about it we well do, it doesn't that's we do, the point we do three of these and like the third one it's all like political and stuff and it's still there's still never resolve any of the interesting questions that it like who's buying these creepy masks and where are they during the rest of the year is there like a purge store like a halloween superstore oh, obviously like you have to guess that the month before the purge happens like purge superstores pop up all over the place in whatever abandoned strip mall areas you've got. Yeah, and then and they've ru- just got creepy masks and guns. Yeah, you rush in there and they're like, well, here's our collection of bats with nails driven through them and uh, Uncle Sam masks where the teeth have been replaced with daggers, I guess. And, oh, look, part of it's all melty. And uh, here's our selection of various guns and uh, noisemakers. Because that's the biggest thing about purge for me is that it seems to drag out Sure, it's supposed to be a big thing that's like, oh, everyone has a murderous side, really, once you get right down to it. And they're going to run out in the street and try and murder each other because it's purge night. Uh, but it also seems to drag out everyone's DIY creative sensitivities, too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Because everyone's like, look, I, t- I took a regular hockey mask and I melted the eyes so there's permanent rivulets of plastic going down over the eyes. That took me so long to figure out how to do without leaving obvious scorch marks. Well, I mean, you have to imagine that these are the people that are like, the ones you're seeing Mm -hmm. are the ones that are camera worthy. Because you know there are other people going out there with just like a shirt that says Superman on it and a plastic Superman mask. Oh, yeah. They're wearing like an 80s Superman costume, like a Superman apron. And and they're they're just murdering people in that. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, I didn't really put in a lot of effort this year. It was last minute. You know. this Just a t-shirt that says, this t-shirt is my purge murder costume. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the Purge movie I want. Just the, just the dregs that aren't really paying, taking it seriously. A lot of them are wearing a fence. Like, oh, I'm Rachel Dolezal, y'all. Uh, I'm dressed. It's my fen- okay way to dress up in blackface and murder. Like, here's another question I have for you based on that. Can you dress? Is blackface cool on Purge Night? No, oh, it's not cool. It's never cool. Yeah, but are people allowed to judge you for it? Yes, they can judge you for it, just like they can judge you for murdering people, but it's still legal. Yeah. I mean, like. Well, let's say it's I'm not I'm not asking because I wouldn't want to do blackface personally. I'm just curious about the ramifications. If it's purge night and I run around in blackface all night, can I get fired from my job the next day? I don't uh, think I can. I don't think you can. As long as it's proven that you've only ever done it on purge night. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, sure. Technically, it's legal to go running around in blackface any day of the, of the year that you would like to. And it's legal to fire people for whatever reason you want. But purge night seems to have some sort of special you can do literally whatever you want ramifications. Well, yeah, I feel like at that point, it would be very hypocritical if they were like, look, I just murdered three homeless guys, but you had blackface on, so we're going to have to let you go. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. Not cool. Not cool. You know what this night is about, <laughs> and that's not it. Except if you watch the fourth movie, and it very much is about killing black people. <laughs> There's four? I thought it ended with the third one. No, man. Uh, you, have, you have the first five, aren't the there? first one, yeah. uh, which is just Rich Establishing people, Purge, which, which is Rich People Lockdown House. Rich People Lockdown House, yeah. You have 
two people caught on the streets where their car breaks down right before the purge. I've always felt like that's the stupidest one, because the easiest way to survive and purge is to be on the streets in the first place. Just go stand in an alleyway and chitter at people passing by, <laughs> because then you become part of Purge's uh, famous local atmospheric color. Yeah. There's all these, every Purge movie is full of a bunch of people in an alleyway going, they don't actually kill you, they just do that, and then you just make your way past them. And then the third movie is the senator who needs to be protected. Yeah. And then the fourth movie is the first purge, which gives us the first time the purge happened, mm-hmm. which shows us it was basically an excuse to kill poor people and minorities. Uh, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I, I've, I've always I, I've always wanted to be revealed that the reason purge exists is for people to do illegal, like big budget crimes, and, and everyone else is like, oh sweet, can we use it to murder each other? And like a bunch of bankers and stuff are like, uh, sure, who cares. Murder, we're, we're going to be moving accounts offshore. That's what we do on Purge Night. <laughs> anyway, gravy's bad. Gravy's bad. And Purge like, movies Purge, are better, and I haven't seen them. Yeah, I haven't seen them, but they at least spark conversation. Gravy sparks nothing. Yeah. It does not spark joy. No, it doesn't. It's it, it's like bad gravy. You don't want it on your mashed potatoes. It's you, ru- it ruined those mashed potatoes. Yeah, I put this <laughs> this movie on my mashed potatoes, unedible. Yeah, yeah. A, a brand new word. Uh, that's how unedible it was. Yep. Not, not inedible. I could not be, it isn't inedible. It's yeah. unedible. Yeah. Per, I totally get where you're coming from. I'm not making fun of your grammar and pronunciation. No, no. See, because inedible would say that it couldn't be eaten. Unedible is you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> that's reasonable. I like that. Uh, you want to do your best and worst in ratings or whatever? Do we even do best and worst in this? Yes, I forget. Okay. we do. God okay. damn, man. All right. This is why I'm the one who runs it. <laughs> But I run four other shows. Yeah, that's why you don't do that. Also, you run two other shows. Yeah, and two bonus shows. Somehow this one still doesn't have a bonus show. I know. You won't let me. I'll You're let afraid. You, you do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's like the purge in here. My room is purge room. Do whatever you want. Don't, don't, don't. No, not, not the black yeah. bases is cool, John. Stop that. Yeah. Put that shoe polish down. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I pretend? How how dare you make the people imagine that? <laughs> Don't imagine John putting on blackface. I'm sorry. He <laughs> never would. <sighs> that All right, wasn't Jeff. funny. What's your favorite thing in this movie? <sighs> the soundtrack. John, what was your favorite thing in this movie? Oh, honestly, the soundtrack in this was on point. Yes. I don't know how they managed to get the rights to all of these songs I, and then make a crap shit movie. The only one I remember was I'm Walking on Sunshine, but there were a lot there's of... A, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. Oh, we got some cutting crew in there. Nice. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of songs that while this was going, I was like, how the fuck did they get this? I couldn't tell if they had a Susie and the Banshee song or not. I thought there was one song towards the end that might have been one. It could have been. Um, But anyway, because the only Susie and the Banshee song I know is the same one that everyone in the world knows, Kiss Them For Me. Yeah. Uh, and then... Presumably, they have others. Presumably. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... Yeah. Good soundtrack. So, John, good soundtrack you? I mean, I'm going to say that the... God. I'm mad at you right now that I got the soundtrack right away. I'm, I'm real mad at you. Honestly, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and say that the, uh, the Younger Brothers... Uh, performance specifically when he's talking to his brother mm-hmm. is probably the only really good acting in this, and yeah. mostly it's because of the writing. But like, at least when there's those scenes, I'm like, oh, this is at least somewhat interesting. Yeah, like seeing how these two deal with each other. I think the only other bit of acting I kind of liked was the part where Gabori Sadib immediately demanded to be released because. Whatever was going on was obviously white people shit. Yes. Uh, that was that was pretty good. And uh, then she got her voice box bitten out, and the movie went sad. Uh, just sad. So, What was your 
least favorite thing in this? Uh, it's probably the part where the older brother gets called a faggot. Probably. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like that. No. No. That was, I mean, there's an entire thing where, like, Mimi is being real racist against uh, Hector, Hector as well yeah, where he's tr- he he uh insults her for kicking the dude while he's on the ground the, the nebbish dude while he's on the ground and then slips into spanish and she's like i'm sorry i don't speak poverty yeah just fucking goddamn yeah so and i get i get that we're supposed to not like her but you can do that without this so it's fine yeah it's weird because they give her occasional moments of being like you know oh i can respect that that's fine and then other moments where she's just like weirdly. Does she also need to be racist and homophobic? Do we need all of these things? Yeah, Her character, I mean, inc- she's a psychopathic torture lover. You don't need to really gild the lily there. In summation, Mimi is a land of contrast. <laughs> In conclusion, I hope you enjoyed my report <laughs> on gravy. I mean, I could say that my least favorite part of this is just Mimi's. I mean, no, I'll I'll say that's perfectly yeah, fine. No, the, the the yes, the homophobia and the and the racism was was really bad for me. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say everything that they did to poor uh, Gabori. Yeah, no, this, all the fat jokes was another thing that the movie did not require. She's also the only the only subject of a super gruesome shot in the movie. Yeah, we get to see her like chopped in half. Yeah, I and mean, they've not got her, they've got her as whole- she's chopping. Being yeah. chopped in half, but like the aftermath. Yeah, the, the butcher sequence where she's just covered in blood and doesn't have legs anymore. And they, for some reason, they pulled her shirt up, up like so they can see her gut. And it's just like, that and was, she's holding the sorbet. Yeah, it was just very unnecessary. Yeah, it. I mean, sure, it's a gore porn thing for the movie, so fine. But it just felt like after all the fat jokes, it felt at, like just throwing salt in there. Yeah. God, this movie was bad for so many reasons. Hey. We're going to give this a rating from 0 to 5, and that's going to give us a rating out of 10 from both of us. Jeff, I'm going to give this a 1. It was a joyless slog with an okay soundtrack and Sarah Silverman. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not going for longer on that one. I, I, I feel like I already ate up all the space with talking about The Purge and yeah. Kevin Bacon degrees and what kind of people I'd eat. And, I, yeah. I, so, and, and even then, my attempts to stretch this into a full-hour review still haven't succeeded, I don't think. Well, that's fine. I tried my best. You're goddamn best. I mugged. <laughs> I digressed as hard as I could. I balanced a ball in my nose and clapped for this podcast. <laughs> what, would, what would you give this out of ten, five, John? Uh, fuck. I want to say a point five. I really hated this. Yeah, I would have given it the point five, but, but for the soundtrack. I was just angry at the movie. Like, there's... This is a movie where we had to pause. At, we watched half of it at John's house, got sad... <laughs> watch the rest of it here yeah we had an excuse which was that it was hard to hear at john's house uh because of baby situations um but truthfully yeah it, my friend baby situations was over and <laughs> he was introducing us to the music of the serious gravy incident uh and but we we just had to go back to really it wasn't that the movie was hard to hear we just needed an excuse to stop watching it yeah this was no it's only an 80 minute movie and it wasn't a one sit sit yeah. You need two you need two sets. It's bad. It's very bad. It's a one point five out of ten from us. Mm-hmm. Don't don't watch this movie. Don't at all. <laughs> watch any of this. This was not a place of honor. <laughs> Nothing of value was buried here. <laughs> uh 
Man. Okay, so there you have it. There you go. Now, that... why don't you go support us on Patreon? Because, boy, howdy, are we ever excitable. Hey, man, if you liked this, I mean, you like having us get torture-watching shit, then support us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash systemmastery. Support us at any level. Helps keep the show running. Maybe if we get up to a certain level, we can start actually working on a bonus content for this thing. Because, hey, I've always wanted to do one. I feel like we already do all the work to get to this level that we're at right now. It wouldn't hurt us to do another half hour or so. I mean, we could. Yeah. I just don't know what it would be and how we would add it into our current charge schedule. But we'll figure it out. Gosh darn it. Gall darn it for you, the listener. Mm -hmm. I'll put that ball back on my nose. (laughs) Patreon.com slash System Mastery. That's where you go to support us. We have levels. We have bonus content. It's great. Yep. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, all that. We're System Mastery everywhere. Mm -hmm. And... If you want to recommend a film, uh, you can either go to the subreddit. Uh, we have our own System Mastery subreddit, r slash System Mastery. Or you can go into our Discord. The link is a pinned tweet on our Twitter. And join our Discord. Discord. Our Discord. Go on to the Movie Mastery room. Let us know on there, because I think... Most of the time, we've just got to sort of keep the list ourselves at this point. Yeah, we do our best. Actually, we have a friend who helps us out on Reddit, too. Yeah, that hasn't been updated in, like, a year. Oh. <laughs> hey, our, hey, friend on Reddit, take care of that, would you? I know you still listen. <laughs> thanks, thanks, bud. Thanks. Uh, uh, do, pat, do work for us. Pat our har, I think it is. Do our thank, work. Thank you so much. I can do it if I have to. It's no big deal. I'll, yeah. figure, I'll figure it out. I don't have time to, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in another couple weeks with another movie mastery. But until then, you have a good one.